Hi, I'm Sarah Kuhn. Welcome to the Juno Women Podcast, where I sit down with mamas to talk about their health, their work, their parenting, and all the different ways that they're keeping it together. Juna is a fitness and nutrition app created to help guide you through your pregnancy and motherhood journey. Everything we do is to empower and support you through one of the most incredible and challenging times of your life. Today, I'm talking to one of my best friends, Amanda Applebaum. Amanda is the mom to boy-girl twins who are almost five and has a 15-month-old daughter. Amanda shares the night and day difference between the births and postpartum experiences of her twins and her daughter. She also goes deep into her experience with diastasis recti and the subsequent surgery to have it fixed. Amanda was so honest and raw with her experiences that I know there are other moms out there that will benefit from listening to this one. I hope you enjoy. My name is Amanda. Um, I, yep, I live outside of DC in Maryland. Um, been married for almost 10 years. We have three kids. Uh, twins are almost five. They'll be five in a couple months. And my baby girl is 14 months. Fif- 14 months. 15 months. Fif- I can't keep track. 15 months. I think she was 14. She's 14, yeah. Isn't she three months older than Kyla? Oh, no. Is she? Oh, my gosh. Did I miss a month? This is what happens with a third kid. It's going too fast. I also want to go back just because I've had so many guests that have been with their husbands for, like, coming on 20 years, and you are also one of them. And that's exciting. Yes. Since college. Right, right. So I should say we dated for about eight years before we got married. So, yeah, we've known each other for about 18 years. Um, so it's interesting when you're talking to couples that I feel like a lot of couples, when they get married at a later age, they like have kids right away. And so they've only been together for, you know, a a handful of years. Mm -hmm. Um, and you could just tell the difference because maybe I'm too comfortable with my husband. (laughs) (laughs) I need to be a little nicer. (laughs) No. No, you're the just you're just the right amount of nice. <laughs> I think we were talking about this where like, you know, during the honeymoon phase when you're dating someone but you know that they're the one, it's like the best phase ever because you're still so passionate, mm-hmm. but you also have that stability and comfort knowing they're the one, but like after that phase is out, you get something that it, it's replaced with something that's a lot different mm-hmm. than the honeymoon phase passion, but it's this Deeper. level of yeah, and it's like this level of comfort and it yeah. just you just keep getting more and more uncomfortable. Yes, man. The, you open you're opening up so many doors. I feel like we could go so many directions with this conversation. I'm very excited. <laughs> I would like to add here that Amanda and I are talking face to face because we only have one mic and we are about six inches away from each other. So so. My, do I have coffee breath? <laughs> do I, I think I have coffee breath. <laughs> um, all for your listening pleasure. Um, so let's t- let's go all the way back to mm-hmm. five years ago maybe seven years ago. Let's talk about your journey to becoming a mom for the first time. Yeah. So I was never one of those people that grew up like, I can't wait to be a mom. I know I'm going to be a mom. And I always sort of felt like, what's wrong with me? Like, am I supposed to feel that way? Um, but when I met Bryce, you know, I knew he was the one right away. And I knew that I wanted to have kids with him eventually. Um, it was always in the cards. But we waited um, – about like four years after we were married to sort of start, I guess, trying, if you will. Um, and it wasn't because, again, I was like, I really want a child. Like, I just feel like my life is so empty, you know. It was more because I was like, I'm kind of curious what this whole kid thing is like. And I I feel like we should give it a go. And I mean, I do think that life would be much lonelier without kids. So that was sort of like what made us decide, okay, let's start trying. And I had been on the pill for, oh my gosh, I want to say like way over 10 years because um, I got ovarian cysts when I was very young, like eighth grade. So they put me on the pill like way before I was having sex or anything like that. Um, And so when I got off the pill, I just never got my period. Um, And we waited months and months and months went to, um, went, we, we talked to fertility doctors and they're like, look, your insurance isn't going to cover anything because you have to prove that you've been trying for a year. Well, you can't try if you don't have a period. It's like how broken is insurance? But long story short, we had to wait for wait a year till I could even like see a fertility doctor. So I just remember that year I was extremely stressed out because I just felt 
broken. Like I felt like I want to start my family. And, at, you know, we were young, like in our late 20s, which was, mm-hmm. seems young right now. <laughs> yeah. And I just felt anxious to start. And I didn't want people to be asking because, you know, you'd been married for four years and everybody's asking you. And I felt very private about it at the time because, I, again, I felt like there was something wrong with me. So went to the fertility doctor um, finally after a year and um, they were they didn't really uh, couldn't say exactly what was wrong. Um, maybe a little PCOS, a little of this, a little of that, whatever. So they're like, we're going to try um, to you know, give you all the shots to make you ovulate and then we'll do IUI. And at the time I was like, well, do you have to do IUI? Like, can't we just do like timed intercourse? The doctor at the time was like, yeah, like you can. And I totally understand why they said that now, because looking back, holy cow, fertility is so stressful. If I, like, why did I think I was going to have this romantic time having timed intercourse with my husband, (laughs) like, on fertility? Like, hell to the no. Can I say that? So we, we did end up doing IUI because, you know, after all the shots and all the hormones and the stress and the anxiety and is it going to work and all the money, and then you get this one 12-hour window, they tell you, where it has to be during this 12 hours. Like, do you think either one of us can or want to perform during those 12 hours? No. Nope. (laughs) Which causes fights and all of that. So, Yeah, I relate so hard. I know you do. (laughs) I know. Um, So we did end up doing IUI. And um, I remember that they told me they'll give it four cycles. And after that, um, they're going to have to move on to IVF. And I don't know why, but that's just their policy. And I remember having this, not a fear of IVF, but you know, it's just next level. It is. Yeah. I mean, it's so different because of the different hormones that like that lead up to the, I mean, it's, it's just different. It's more intense. Yes. And the surgery and it's more money and it's more risk and it just, just all of it. So I was really feeling so upset. And with each failed IUI attempt, I was like more and more anxious. And I remember at the time I was trying to do all of these things to get my mind right because I'm a turned spiritual person. And I was, but it doesn't come naturally to me. So I was like reading all these books and I'm doing yoga and I'm going to acupuncture. And I just remember like at one point it all kind of clicking and my realizing that the best way to control the outcome was to let go because I really didn't have control. And if I just let go, what was meant to be would be, and there's just nothing I could do about it. And so I remember being in my office because I was working at the time, and we were on our last uh, IUI cycle, and I remember having this feeling of realizing my posture sitting at my desk, and my legs were crossed tight, and my arms are crossed around my you know, abdomen, and I'm just like all stressed. And I remember this feeling of like, look at yourself. Do you think you're open to what the universe has right now? Like, and I literally physically uncrossed my body and, and I made an effort to like sit like that at work and to just have my mind be uncrossed, if you will. And that was a cycle that worked. I'm not saying that's what did it. It just, it stands out in my mind and I'll never forget that because I just think it's so, it's so powerful of a tool to just learn to trust and let go, which who wants to do that? No, it, it, the, the cycle that I'm hearing from a lot of different people is like the um, how much meditation and like getting your mind right has impacted even like not just getting pregnant, but obviously getting pregnant, but also like postpartum depression, baby blues, like mm-hmm. figuring out how to release and let go is like the hardest thing in the world, but also like has the most impact. So true. So true. So I ended up getting pregnant. I was so excited. Um I ended up testing myself just like peeing on a stick before I went in for the blood test, but then they confirmed the blood test. And at the time, my HCG, right? That's what I, oh gosh, it's been so long. The HCG was like 400 something. Like the first time they tested, I was like a second pregnant. And I remember thinking, oh, that's a little high. And I actually was on the phone with my friend and she was like, could it be twins? And I was like, no, it's not twins. Um... And we go along our merry way. And when you're doing fertility, you are kind of lucky in that they um, you go in for your first like ultrasound or sonogram or whatever really early. Um, So I went in and they saw one healthy sack, 
and one healthy heartbeat. And it was six weeks and we were like, we were so happy. It was amazing. Like I was finally getting my baby. It was going to be this perfect scenario. And uh, then about a week and a half later, I started having some bleeding and it was like brown blood. Sorry. I don't know. What is TMI? (laughs) Uh, And so I called the doctor and they're like, well, if it's brown, you know, it's not concerning. It's not fresh blood. But of course, after going through that, you're so paranoid about every little thing. And this is my first pregnancy. And so I didn't feel comfortable. It, It was more than what I was comfortable with, the amount of blood. So I ended up going in on a weekend and they squeezed me in and they fi- and I'm there under very stress, uh, stressful circumstances because I'm thinking that maybe I'm having a miscarriage. Go in, there's a doctor and like maybe a resident doctor or whatever. Lay me down, they have the ultrasound thing on my, or maybe at the time it was up my V, like let's be honest. Yeah, um, yeah it was. <laughs> and on the screen, they're looking at the sac and they're going back and forth and they're like one two can you tell no because it was moved the wand is moving so fast yeah and they're like one two one two and I just kept saying one two what one two what I'm like is there is there a heartbeat just tell me is there a heartbeat and the doctor doing the ultrasound kept talking to the other doctor who was holding my chart and the other doctor was like no this just says one and the doctor doing the thing is like, no, I, there's two. And I'm like, we're like, two what? Finally, the doctor's like, so there's two sacks here. And I'm like, uh, yes, like, and like, is there a heartbeat, you know? And he's like, no, there's, there's two babies. There's, and I was like, okay, what? Like, are they both viable? And he's like, yeah, there's two heartbeats. And then I was silent and Bryce, who you know is like the sweetest, kindest man on the planet, literally screams, how did you miss this? Like he was so mad. He almost fell off the chair. And we're so lucky that we did – I mean, at this point it was only eight weeks in, like so we are lucky. But we just left that appointment and we sat in his car and we were frozen. Uh, My fear and anxiety did not kick in at the time because – I saw how frozen and anxious Bryce was, and he he yes. does not get shaken. Like, he's my rock. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, at the time, just immediately stepped up and was calming him down. But It's so funny now seeing you guys with, with obviously now three kids, but, like, to even hear that Bryce was shaken. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, um, pregnancy physically for me was – totally fine. I actually loved being pregnant. I found it like miraculous. However, I was very psychologically not broken, but like I was very anxious. I just did not know what to expect. I had a lot of fear. Yes. I I love that you loved pregnancy because it's, you know, it's, it is just why like it ranges the spectrum. I feel like people love pregnancy. Some people hate pregnancy. We both know where I landed on that yep, one. Um, I know. You poor thing. you felt great that you exercised with twin pregnancies up until you gave birth. I did. Yeah. Um, at the time, I was doing a lot of yoga. So, yeah, I I worked out um, as much as I could. I, I even worked out the day that I had them, that I went into the hospital to have them. What were you doing? Like, what, what uh, like, I guess, like, how did you modify? What, what did you right. do? How did you know? Great question. So... I'm trying to remember. Um, you know, I I am pretty in tune with my body, so I did what felt comfortable to me. Like I knew not to do twists like in yoga or like, you know, um, inverted poses. So I didn't do any of that. But I felt pretty confident, you know, like I looked at pregnancy like I'm not I'm not like broken. Yeah, I'm not like, you know, I just looked at it like I don't know. Like you said, I had to modify. So if I felt super out of breath, I took it slower. And, um, I, you know, you do a lot of body weight exercises. You don't need to yeah. be holding weights. Like right. you have the weight. So I guess then you have twins. Did they have did, did anything like with scheduled C-sections? Like was how did your doctor handle it? And then talk a little bit about So that. I love where I deliver because they're a teaching hospital. So they see the worst of the worst, which is terrible. But it's good in that people with normal pregnancies like me, they look at it as like, NBD, like twins, yeah, and like what's your point? You're not special. (laughs) They see triplets. They see, I mean, babies born, you know. Yeah, like they see everything. So they were really pushing me to have um, a vaginal delivery, which I appreciated. I wanted like the experience. 
because I was so naive. And again, like how I thought of I was going to have timed intercourse and it's going to be just like the movies. Okay. Like this is what I think childbirth is going to be. Um, and so, yeah, luckily, um, baby A, which is the first baby that was, um, like toward the opening, I guess is baby A (laughs) was head down. And so they were like, you know, as long as baby A is head down, even if baby B is inverted, we can deliver them breech. We can turn them like, we'll just see. So I was like, okay. At that point, your vagina is already blown out, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Thank you for stating the obvious. Yes. Um, and so I felt really comfortable and, um, so, but, but what's funny again, talk about like intuition, I just had a feeling I would have to be induced for a very long time, like leading up to my due date. I don't know why. Maybe it's because like I had a fear of it. So I was thinking about, because at the time you heard all of these stories about being induced is the worst. You're in the hospital for five days. It's, you're throwing up from all the medicine. Like I, who knows? Um, so sure enough, I go, I had to be induced. I went, um, yeah, so I was 38 weeks and, uh, for twins, that's considered like full term 40. So I actually went, um, 38 and a few days and ended up being induced, even though I was walking every day. And I mean, people were stopping me and were like, (laughs) should you be doing this? Like, do you need a crane? Are you okay? And everywhere I went, they're like, is it twins by the size of my stomach? And all I could think of was what about these poor people that somebody says that to that's it's not, not twins. Yeah. I was so <laughs> grateful to be able to be like, yes. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, I was induced. It was not bad at all. I actually went in um, maybe four o'clock that evening and ended up having the babies at like 6 a.m. the next morning. So oh, that's it, not bad at all. That's fast. My body was red day. Yeah. It was like, yes. So talk a little bit about your labor experience. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So I uh, had an epidural. That was my plan all along. Um, and that was fine. Um, I felt I got it after I started feeling contractions, but not to the point where I was like screaming in pain or anything. Um, and then, you know, we just waited till I was dilated. And when you have twins, at least where I delivered, you have to deliver in an OR just in case they have to go in and rescue one or whatever. So, and again, because it was a teaching hospital, there were doctors and residents, but it was like every type of doctor and resident. So we had the surgeon and the surgical residents. We had the OB people and the OB residents. We had the NICU people and like the NICU residents. Yes, everybody's in a room and like sort of in a circle around me and I'm in an operating room. It's a completely (laughs) sterile, silver environment with my, they had stirrups hanging from the ceiling. Okay. And at the time I was still somewhat modest. Okay. Cause I had not yet given birth. And I just remember going in there and 25 people around what felt like 25 people, the lights, holy moly. Like I was on a stage and my legs so far up in the air, like I might as well be, <laughs> I know, right? Horrible. And I was so epiduraled up. I could not feel a thing. So they told me to push. I got jacks. Yeah, I got jacks out So it, in like two pushes. Nothing. He mm-hmm. popped out. He came out and he was blue. And immediately like his head went down and his eyes closed when they held him up to me and they whisked him away to the NICU. So I did see his face, but they brought him out. He, they pulled him out so fast that we were like, what? Do, do we have a baby? What happened? And I just remember like in the operating room, again, everyone's standing around. Everyone is silent. Mm-hmm. There was no like joy. There was no like feeling of happiness. There was no like, yay, congratulations. Like nothing was being said except for like maybe talking about drugs or tools mm-hmm. or whatever they were talking about. Oh, and by the way, I distinctly remember the OB resident who was delivering me had clear goggles on and what uh, what looked like trash bags, Okay huge black industrial trash bags at the bottom of my crotch. And that's one of the things I remembered too. So that, that was not unique to the OR. Right? Okay, but good. The trash bag, I was like, what? It's like a murder scene. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, yes. So there's trash bags and goggles and it looks like, um, what's that HBO where he murders people? Uh, Dexter. Thank you. It looked like Dexter. Mm-hmm. It was so strange. But anyway, so at the time there's 27 minutes between when I had my first baby Jackson when I had Tori and we just didn't even know if Jax was okay. He was in the NICU. They wouldn't tell us what was going on. We kept asking. They're like, we just need to focus on you right now. We're not sure. Like, but we'll get an update to you when you're ready. I'm like, okay. 
So then um, finally I pushed Tori out and they did not even hold her up. She, she was fine, but she had meconium in her sack. So they were worried she had ingested some of it. So they took her right to the NICU. What's the protocol with that? Like, like if there is meconium in the sack. So what do they do to the baby? Do you know? I don't know. Maybe they like. Clear out the lungs. Yes, I think so. And do some tests to make sure they're breathing, not toxic. I don't know know, because I wasn't there. Yeah. But I just remember thinking, do I have any babies? Like I couldn't feel them come out. I didn't see them. Mm -hmm. I didn't hear them cry. Like no one was saying congratulations, like nothing. My feet are hanging from the air. Like everyone's staring at me with goggles and trash bags on. It it was just like not at all what I thought of, you know? And um, then my my placentas didn't come out. So I was in the operating room for a, a bunch of extra time and they had to push me with like all these other drugs so that the doctor could go up and manually remove them, which was for me the worst part of delivery. It was very physically intense and whatever. So um, by the time I got back to my room, you know, obviously I hadn't slept in 24 hours. I didn't have any of the joy of like, oh, my baby. Yeah. And, um, uh, Tori was finally released from the NICU, but Jax was still there. And I remember seeing Bryce holding Tori and I was like, I don't know that baby. Mm -hmm. Like there was just no connection. Like I felt (laughs) not violated, but just, I felt like I was just like a a mechanism for these babies. Yeah. Or just like, you know, a fish out of water. Like Mm -hmm. like I was pried apart, cut open, held up by the ceiling. Like <laughs> I just I don't know. And so then, yeah, I was wheeled down to see Jax, and I remember thinking, like, oh, this is so sweet, but like I just I don't I don't know I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I don't know who these babies are. I I remember telling you like to me it felt like somebody could have like took them out from underneath the operating table and been like, yeah, these are yours. Cause did they really come from me? Like, I don't know. I didn't have that like connection. Yeah. It's interesting. Like I, you know, there's like lots of stigmas about C-sections and I like, I never, I, I never understood them because I, like, I, I don't agree with them. Like when people are like, Oh, that's not the real way. To, like that, that is crazy to me. But I wonder if that's why, if it's like, Oh, if it's like, if you don't deliver it, like it could have just been like cut. I mean, again, that's, that's fucking crazy. Yeah. Language, yeah. Like, it's, it's like, I, I wonder if the, the disconnect there is what is what people is like what you're talking about. I think it was me. I think it it was me. I think that I was fearful probably going into it just because I was fearful of having twins. I, like I said, I never, I I didn't, growing up, I didn't feel like I had that major maternal instinct. I was, I was not like, I'm put on this earth to be a mom, which I feel like so many people are and it's amazing. So I think all along I was nervous to have a child. Would I be a good mom? Like, what would it be like? And then to be having two at the same time, it just scared me. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like I, I'm kind of a control freak and I, I have a history of anxiety and I felt like having twins automatically meant my life would be way out of control. And that scared me. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I mean, I was in touch with some of those feelings, but going into delivery, I was like, I'm ready. But was I really? Right. I think a lot of it was me. And then so – then after. Now you're home. You have these two babies. How long was Jackson the NICU for? He was only there for, I want to say, a day. Not okay. long. And okay. um, again, going back to maternal instincts, like I just had some instincts about things. Like I knew I was going to be induced. I knew I was taking those babies home after three days because mm-hmm. they release you after three days. Right. They were they were both 415, 4 pounds, 15 ounces. Um, and they told us that Jack's probably wouldn't go home because his weight and he wasn't like eating enough and whatever. And I just remember looking at Bryce. I was like, nope, I know they're coming home. Like I know they are. And like, sure enough, he passed whatever test like right that day before we were going to leave. And we buckled them into the car seats and took them home. And, um, oh, this was funny. So they wheel me out to the car and we have a, we had a Ford Explorer at the time. I go to get in the front seat, like thinking that I'm fine. And by mistake, I don't know if people realize, but like seats in cars have a dip. There's like a little lip, you know, around the edges. I know exactly what you're talking about. I go to fly into the car like some kind of superhero, and my crotch, which was probably (laughs) twice the size that it normally was, but I didn't know because I wasn't looking down there, 
hit that edge of the car. I was in excruciating pain, but the nurse who helped me into the car, she goes, look at her. She is just, t- look at her getting into that car like some sort. And so I couldn't say to her, like, help me. Yeah. I was like, yep. You know, but I remember just pulling out being like, I am not okay. Yeah. I am not okay. And the other thing that was not okay was because I had twins, um, my hospital pushed breastfeeding as I think all hospitals do. Um, but they told me right away that I have to be feeding them every three hours, which is normal. But after that, I also have to pump, tandem pump for 20 minutes. And because they were so small, we were not allowed to let them go any longer than three hours. Um, and so I was setting alarms while in the hospital and leaving for every three hours. And I would religiously pump for 20 minutes after each feeding. Um, and so, you know, going home, like obviously I had that crotch situation and then I'm just constantly looking at my watch because feeding them takes an hour to an hour and a half by the time you feed, change both of them. And it was such a freaking assembly line that never was feeding like a time to connect and bond because I'm always just thinking about, well, there's another one. And like, are they on the same schedule? Because that was the other thing that gave me anxiety was everybody going into this. You have to keep them on the same schedule. They have to eat at the same time. They have to sleep at the same time. Otherwise, you will have zero time to yourself. And I think that that's true because, again, if you're feeding every three hours, you're doing one back like back to back. There really is no time. In reality, I was doing them at the same time, but I still only had, what, an hour? Sometimes half an hour to myself. So, um, yeah, so I was very anxious about the time. And I became very anxious about feeding them as well because um, my son was colicky. I don't know if that's what you want to call it, but he just – feeding was very difficult, and he um, tended to cry a lot. And so it was very stressful. And you – did you exclusively pump the entire time? Yeah. So I I tried tandem breastfeeding, which worked for about two or so weeks until, you know, babies like at the two-week mark, I feel like kind of wake up. Um, and then it was getting more and more difficult and um, my son wouldn't latch. He screamed and would push me away, which again is just so stressful. Uh, so I just decided to pump cause I was pumping anyway, right? Mm-hmm. I'd have to breastfeed, then I'd have to pump on top of it. So I just decided let's just pump for a while. I was trying to do both. I was trying to breastfeed my daughter, then pump. And it was just my, finally my friend saved me. She's like, just pick one. Just you're, this is too much. I'm not letting you do this anymore. Yeah. Um, well, good for her. Yeah. So I did pump, but also that like ruined my life too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not really. Do you look back and you're like very glad that they got breast milk or do you, are you like, I was, I have PTSD from it and that wasn't worth it? You know, I have, I have a lot of PTSD for lack of a better word for, mm-hmm. from the whole experience. I don't know if it was just pumping, but you know, um, we had to do the every three hour thing, set the alarm for like at least 12 weeks. And at that point, like you, it's like, you're not, you're not sleeping. No. You're not sleeping. And I just remember. And you're both not sleeping. No, right. You're both doing Yes. It. Yeah. Every feeding we would wake up. And actually my parents were so kind that they moved uh, to our neighborhood like temporarily to help out. And my mom would come and do one feeding, overnight feeding, so that Bryce could sleep, what, a three-hour stretch? Because he had to go to work. Right. So, yeah. And and I, um, for the first four months while I was home with them, I did not do a single feeding by myself because I was just, I was terrified. Mm-hmm. I was terrified of them screaming. I was terrified of not being able to, like, give them what they needed. And I, I don't know. I don't know. It just scared me. So my mom was there for every single one. And then – and so when did you – when would you say that you started to feel, feel like, comfortable and, like, your own – like, because, like, I look at you now and, like, you're Miss Mom. Like, you're so good with – you have three kids. You manage them all so well. Like, when did you start to feel comfortable in your your role as a parent and as mom? You know, I think, unfortunately um, – and this is where, like, all through parenthood – and I started this journey before parenthood, but parenthood really reminds you to work on yourself mm-hmm. – because I realized that the same issues I have as a mom are just the same issues I've always had, you know, my anxiety, my need to control things, whatever. Um, and so I think because of the way I started off, like, the parenthood journey, it always made me anxious to be alone with my kids. Like, I felt like 
I couldn't do it. I don't know why. Um, but I remember even when they were seven months, um, Bryce, my husband, had to go out of town for a work trip. And I flew my sister in from Denver because I, I felt like there's no way I can take care of these babies alone. And I mean, now, you know, just having a baby, I'm like, who cares? Like, they're so easy. <laughs> babies are so easy. You know, again, at the time, I don't, I don't know what it – I can't put my finger on exactly. Mm-hmm. So you, you ask that question, I, I really don't know. But I would say even at a year, when they turned a year old, we did not have a birthday party. We, you know, of course, we gave them little smash cakes and took right. some funny pictures of them screaming, crying. Right. Uh, but we got a cake that said, like, you made it to one year. Yeah. yeah. And then I remember thinking, well, shoot, they're one, but it's not any better. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's funny. I, I remember somewhere in the first year of Luca being alive, I was like, I remember texting one of my friends being like, when does it get easier? And she's like, no, it doesn't. Like, it doesn't get easier. It gets different. It's yeah. It gets easier. Yeah. And it is so true because, like, I, I finally realized, like, your first year is about keeping the babies alive, which is hard. But now, you know, you have almost five-year-olds. Now it's about parenting and teaching them to be good people and to, like, behave and, like, all the, like, things you do as a human being. And that is – so much more stressful and challenging than just keeping a baby alive. And obviously you, you know that cause you, you just had a baby a, a little over a year ago. So you can see the the different ways that you have to be a mom to, to both of them. Like one is keeping them safe and alive. The other one is, mm-hmm. and it's just, it's, it's very interesting. Yeah. And I do want to say two things, by the way, number one, I realize that other people's experiences are, they, people go through so much worse. Like I don't want anyone listening to think like, ah, oh, I'm like, poor me. I had the worst experience. That is not true at all. And do I look back and have so many happy memories of them in that first year? Of course. I have all the pictures of all of us smiling. And yeah, we were a family and all of it. But I'm just, that's my truth that I had a lot of fear and anxiety underneath that like happiness layer. And also on the flip side, you know, now having another, I did have that experience of like, it is the best thing in the world. And I had that connection. And um, so yeah, I just want to say that's not yes. all that parenthood is. No, no, no. And honestly, like the, the the point of this podcast is so that like people who are listening who have might have had a similar experience to you who may not feel as um, like or who are still stuffing it and not like that they're like, oh, I'm not alone. Like this is this oh this is an okay thing to feel, and like oh, there's so many other people out there that are feeling this too. So your honesty is very appreciated here. But so I, I let's talk about Raya, and then I want to talk about your body. So the twins were about, uh, I don't know, how old were they? Three? three? They were, th- well, three and a half when I had her. Yeah, so they must have been al- yeah. almost Two. three when I got pregnant. But, you know, okay, so backing up, I never, ever wanted three kids. Before we started having kids, um, I made Bryce promise that we were only going to have two. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. I came from a family of three. He came from a family of three, but we took away different messages from our (laughs) family. So I only wanted two. Again, I'm a control freak. And I'm like one kid for each parent, one kid for each lap. Like it's perfect. It's nice and controlled. You're all all in the same like booth at a restaurant. It's cool. Yeah. Uh, He always wanted three. I'm like, no, it's not happening. But I remember being pregnant with uh, the twins and we were taking a walk. We had a dog at the time. We were walking our dog and I said, uh, promise me this is not my last pregnancy. Promise me. And he's like, I'm sorry, what? Because then we sort of flip-flopped. And he was like, like, he was so overwhelmed about the idea of having twins. And he was like, why? Like, you said you only wanted two, but that was not my idea of two. Right. Yeah. I wanted two different ages. I wanted to go through each phase twice. And with twins, you you go through each phase once, just two times, <laughs> if that makes sense. Like I said, everything is an assembly line. You teach one how to use the potty, then you teach the other. You te- you know, so mm-hmm. but you don't you never get to be a second time mom. Yeah. Um, so that feeling always um lingered after even after I had them. Um and even though I felt like life was so chaotic and how could we possibly balance one more child, I just felt like I wasn't done. And again, it wasn't like I wanted to have a third. I just wanted to have another. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I never, I still, I was like, how do I get pregnant and have a baby and not have three kids? And like, <laughs> they did it. Those feelings didn't connect. So 
basically, I don't know, we flip flop back, back and forth. But finally, we were just like, oh, let's just try. And the very first time we tried, got pregnant. And um, at the time I had gotten my period, I, I didn't get my period until about a year and a half after the twins were born. Oh, wow. And when I finally got it back, irregular like is i mean it was like every seven weeks every eight weeks it was so unpredictable Mm -hmm. but i i could not believe i was pregnant so and then a very easy pregnancy very easy pregnancy again i just i loved being pregnant i always loved being pregnant and this one was like a walk in the park for me Mm -hmm. um just yeah uh for the first one i had excruciating like hip shattering pain Mm. and I was going to a chiropractor the whole time to help me because any position I was in it just felt like my hips were literally shattering apart and for this one I had none of that it was just so much easier again like I worked out as much as I could um it just made me feel better and again I sort of looked at it like as an added challenge and as a way to keep my baby healthy and my body healthy and for me it's a way to keep my mind right yeah um so I I enjoyed it. And yeah. then she, what was her due date? Her due date was 422, okay. which is Earth Day, Earth Day, but she ended up being born on Pot Day instead, <laughs> 420, <laughs> which is like comes from the Earth. So, you know. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So, again, like I, maternal instinct, I did not want to be induced, but with her, I was like, nope, I just know I'm going to go naturally. And I had a really cool experience where I was going to my same chiropractor because she's just so great. And um, I remember going to her the week that I was due, and she's like, so when are you due again? I'm like, uh, Sunday. And, you know, let's say it was like Tuesday at the time. She's like, oh, girl, like, we got to get you going. I was like, I know. What should I do? I've been walking. I've been walking. I've been this. I've been that. She's like, no, no, no. You got to do lunges. And she's like explaining to me that the nerves in your glutes or wherever are attached to the nerves in your uterus and that you have to like really get in there with the lunges and the squats and like get you know whatever so I was like all right so the next morning I did a workout on my stairs in my house you know I did one stair then two then three and I did it over and over and over and um and then that afternoon I lost some of my mucus plug Mm -hmm. the next day I did the same workout like lost the rest and I had her like that night I did the same and I had SPD which is like the di- like pubic symphysis diastasis like, oh. so lunges are not recommended mm. and I was like I don't give an F <laughs> I'm in so much pain I want this baby out of me and I was doing these like step ups yeah and, like in our gym and I was like Amanda says this will work oh Amanda I'm sorry <laughs> um, and it did so oh there you go <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly yeah um okay so how long was labor what was that an easy one Two pushes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, I remember now. Okay. So I started having contractions, but at the time I never went through this with the twins because I was induced. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm so naive, you know, in movies and in books or whatever, I don't know, wherever I get my dumb information in my head, I just thought, well, contractions have to be regular. Mm-hmm. In other words, they have to be every five minutes or every seven minutes or whatever it's supposed to be. And mine were all over the place. Mm-hmm. It was once every two hours and then it was once every like minute and then it was once every 20 minutes like they were just and so I was like this is no big deal this is just pre-labor Bryce wanted to like get everything in motion get his parents over to watch the kids so we could like leave at a moment's notice and I was like no 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 like (laughs) this is gonna be days trust me because I was waiting for them to really like condense and be regular so it was about 24 hours and I was you know they were getting a little worse like if I was talking I'd have to be like but like it wasn't like anything where I was like like you see like screaming right and finally it was about like four or five o'clock on a Friday and I'm up in my bedroom and I get this contraction and I just remember thinking like this is not okay this is not okay I never want to feel this again we have to go to the hospital right now like right now and from there on out it was like oh it just felt like lightning through my uterus, like I, which, by the way, is your whole abdomen. Yeah, 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 so yeah. whatever, there's that. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we rushed to the hospital. By the time I got there, I was already, I don't know, five centimeters or something. They gave me the epidural so fast. And as soon as the epidural kicked in, 
um, the doctor came in and she's like, so I can tell by your grunting when you talk that you're probably ready to push. And I was like, seriously? They checked me and like, sure enough, I was 10 centimeters. Um, so yeah, got to the hospital. I don't know. Let's say six, six thirty, And I had her at like eight, oh eight thirty. Wow. Um, yeah, they were actually going to deliver her in the sack cause it was still intact. Oh. Yeah. And the doctor was super excited. I'm like, sure, I'm game. But, um, then her heart rate I don't know they were like we gotta just get her out but so oh did they break your water they that? did okay. yeah but but I should say we didn't know if it was a boy or girl that's right and the whole time I thought it was a boy um so when the baby came out the doctors said to my husband oh and even when I went in uh, to have the baby all the doctors and nurses bet that it was a boy they looked at my stomach they're like oh it's a boy so I was prepared to have a boy but um so they said to my husband they're like aren't you gonna say what it is and he like leans over and he goes where is it <laughs> And then he's like, it's a girl? And I was like, what? Like, you know, so that was crazy. The picture that Amanda sent us after they had birth was like the, the most like happy, happiest face with their baby on her chest. And I was like, oh, my God, that is that is the best, most happiest face in the world. I want this to be my experience. But and then it and then it wasn't. But it's nice to get it. I'm just happy that you got that experience. I am too. Yeah. I am so happy. It's what I always dreamt of, heard about from my friends and from everybody else in the world. Yeah. <laughs> that I really never knew existed. And like it, I it was I'm I don't blame my kids. Like it's my right own here, fault. Yeah. I blame myself. Um That's well, if there's any blame to be had. But I was not. so <laughs> grateful. I I really did instantly um feel connected and maybe it was the second time mom thing I was much more relaxed I did have like an easier delivery Mm -hmm. there was like excitement and warmth in the room it didn't feel sterile and cold (laughs) and so yeah so now let's go back to the challenges that it had on your body Right. So during my twin pregnancy, I'm a petite. Per- I mean, I'm not petite, no, no, but you I'm are very petite. I'm not You're very narrow. I was just gonna say. Yes. I have narrow hips. Mm-hmm. Um, narrow rib cage, I guess. You're petite. You're tall. You're tall. I mean, you're five six, right? Yeah, like I don't shop at petite. No, like, because, you're, because you're tall. Yeah, but you're I'm frank. Not tall. You're tall. I'm like regular. You're, you're, no, you're not. <laughs> like when I think that you carried twins, I'm like, I don't know how you. And you also carried them to 38 weeks. And then birth them through your hips. Yeah. Um, so, and I was working out the whole time, which I, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't have been. No. Like, I wish there was an app that existed at the time that told me how to work out during my pregnancy. Hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, during my pregnancy, I started – because who knows what it was from, like, the what to expect emails or something. So, But I heard about diastasis, recti, DR. Um And I remember immediately, like, laying on the ground and being like, oh, my gosh, I have that. Well, I didn't realize at the time that, like, yeah, everybody pregnant has that. That is not – so if you're pregnant and you feel a space, like, do not be concerned. Like, you have relaxin. Everything kind of separates. But the point is when you give birth and you get your body back, everything is supposed to retighten and go back. Well, that did not happen for me at all. Um, I had a – huge, huge diastasis. And again, after my pregnancy, I started working out, you know, as soon as I was cleared or whatever. And as soon as I, I really just do what I, what feels good in my body. So I started working out pretty regularly and like, I got back into good shape. And also I didn't gain that much. Mm -hmm. Like I probably gained maybe 38 pounds of the twins. So, um, it was very obvious. Yes. And my point was, it was very obvious after I had them that this was not like a weight issue. Right, right. Um, it was it was a muscle issue. And when I say like huge diastasis, I mean I looked four or five months pregnant and people like say that to exaggerate. Mm-hmm. You've seen the pictures. Yes, I have. I was blown away. Blown so away. that is how I looked. If I sucked in and b- by engaging core, yes, right. by engaging my core um, you could still see a huge gap between my um, ab muscles and there was still a pronounced like hump because they just wouldn't tighten all the way. And when I would lay down, I could feel a- and see and see my intestines moving through my skin in my stomach. Like it looked like snakes were in my stomach. Oh my God. So 
I went to two different physical therapists. They both basically were like, sorry, not much you can do. You know, I again, I was already working out like as much as I could. And yeah, I could do like different engaging exercises, but I engaged pretty properly like working out. And so both of them were like, oh, we're sorry, you know, um, you might have to have surgery. And sure enough, I because I was told uh, early on by my OB that if you can go to a hernia surgeon and get it qualified as a hernia, insurance will pay for it. So I went to the hernia surgeon first and he was like, I'm sorry, this is not a hernia because hernias are much smaller. Mm -hmm. And the risk with hernias is that your intestines can poke through and get caught. Right. And then strangled. Right. So for me, mine was so enormous, literally from my sternum down to my pubic bone um, and so wide that there was no risk other than my soul being totally (laughs) crushed and broken. Okay. (laughs) so yeah insurance wasn't going to pay for it and the other thing that he told me was you have to be done having kids before you can get this fixed so I just sucked it up for this whole time um and it absolutely took a toll on my confidence absolutely um did I understand and realize that health comes first and this was not my health and thank god I was healthy and thank god my babies were happy and like there was worse things in the world of course Mm -hmm. but like let's be honest, like I care how I look, Mm -hmm. like who doesn't care how they look. Mm -hmm. And it really prevented me from going out and being social. And every wedding we got invited to, every party, I would have so much anxiety over what to wear. And it would just turn into everything was dictated by like how bloated I looked that day, how pregnant I looked. Mm -hmm. So it was always something I knew I wanted to get fixed. After having Raya, my third, I knew immediately I, I just need to have this done for me. found a surgeon, and I decided just a few months ago um, she was, I guess, 11, 11 yeah, 10 months, 10 months at the time, um, and I decided to have it fixed. You know, first, first, like, give us the exact dimensions because, like, it needs to be very clear how intense this was. Because, like, like, I mean, you're, you'll be the first to say that there's, like, the majority of dias- diastasis or diastasis, whatever we want to call it, is is um, you can fix it through like engagement exercises. Like there's a lot of those. Yeah. Yours was not a candidate for that. Yeah. And I, you know, I follow a lot of people on Instagram that talk about DR and um, talk about functional DR. Mm -hmm. So maybe you still have a space, but it doesn't impact your um, core strength. It doesn't impact your posture. And it certainly doesn't make you feel like five months pregnant walking around when you're not pregnant. Um, So I always felt like, not a failure that I couldn't fix it, but I don't know, in the back of my head, like I just constantly needed validation, like that I was having surgery and not taking it quote unquote easy way out. Although let me make it clear, (laughs) not easy. Uh, And so the reason I know the dimension, the exact dimensions is because we are trying to get reimbursement from insurance. There's a possibility we might get like one or $2,000 back um, if we can fight with them hard enough. So I had to get the operative report from my doctor. And at the widest, my DR was nine centimeters. So they usually say measure it through your, like how many fingers, because each finger is, I guess, a centimeter. Mm-hmm. And so mine would have been nine fingers. And that is not me uh, engaging. That was totally relaxed. Right. But still, I mean, you can't engage nine fingers. No, no. Oh, and it was 26 centimeters long. So it's literally your entire abdomen. Yes. That's, yes. That's insane. For me, it was an outpatient procedure. Um, they said it would take about two hours. And for me, it involved um, an incision that is where a C-section would be, although I believe it might be a little wider than a C-section mm-hmm. scar. It's literally from one hip bone to the other hip bone. So they made the incision down there, lifted up the skin, um, for me, like all the way to my breastbone, And then they um, installed mesh all the way up and down, um, you know, sutured the muscles together, sutured mesh on top, and then sutured my my skin back down. It took – the surgery for me took an extra hour because there was so much suturing involved. Um, And then they put you in this compression garment from, like, your knees all the way up to your shoulders that you're supposed to wear for six weeks. I didn't end up doing that, but – Well, you would have. I would have. I would have. So I ended up getting um, an allergic reaction to the antibiotic they used in the IV 
Um, I've never had an allergic reaction to, to drugs before. So I had a major skin reaction that almost sent me to the ER. And luckily, um, I have a dermatologist friend that came through and I was on major steroids. But long story short, I could not have anything compressing my skin. So I had to take that garment off. Um, but, you know, it's been an interesting experience because I, I did this for me. I did this to heal my confidence and my relationship with my body. Like you talk about having babies and then breastfeeding, your body is not your own. And this whole time I had been working out because that is something for me to do for my body as a gift to my body and my mind. And I work out hard and like I eat pretty good and mm-hmm. I, I just wanted to feel good in my skin. Like yeah. there's no reason not to, right? Yeah. Um, and so it's been an interesting process because – Again, I didn't think that it would be, oh, I'd wake up and look perfect, but I still feel a little bit Frankenstein-ish. Like, um, I think anybody, you know, my husband is like, he cannot get over my profile. <laughs> like, yeah. he's like, you are a different person. And I definitely am. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I mean, I can wear whatever I want now, whereas before I could not. Um so I feel like I can wear clothes just mm-hmm. fine. But when I look at myself like naked, am I perfectly mm-hmm. so excited about how I look? Like, no. I, again, I think, I think you'll get there because I just think it's, I think like it was, you know, it was in February. Right. But anybody thinking about it, I, I mean, would I do it again in a heartbeat? I had to, I had to do this for me. So follow your instincts and, um, Yeah. Oh man, this has been so much fun. Thanks for having me. Amanda, you are just my favorite person in the world. Uh, Right back at you. Yes, and um, thank you for coming on and being so open and uh, honest about all of your experiences. Yeah, of course, anytime. Okay, that's all for today. If you found this episode helpful, please, please, please share it with your mama friends and write a review. Also, be sure to subscribe to the Juno Women Podcast on Apple, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening now. If you're pregnant or postpartum, you can download the Juno app for tailored follow-along workouts and nutrition advice just for this period of your life. The app is available in the iOS App Store. If you're looking to connect with other Juno moms, check out the Juno Moms Facebook group. Lastly, if you know someone who you think would be a fantastic guest on the show, please let us know on Twitter at Juna underscore app or email me directly at sarah at juna.co. See you next week.